Hey, before we get started today, though, we also wanted to talk about the thing that's sort of on all of our minds this month. Um, We're all sort of watching as uh, undocumented families are being detained and separated and all sorts of really ugly stuff. From their children, and we're watching videos of children crying and getting audio of uh, inside these detention centers, which is sad and heartbreaking. So on one hand, it'd be really shitty of us to just not mention it all, but on the other, we're, you know... We're not experts, and sort of the irreverent tone we use for the podcast isn't really appropriate for talking about this. Um, But we do want to say that we hope our listeners from all over are resisting these tyrannical immigration policies, however you're able to. Right. Um, And our thoughts go out with uh, the undocumented families and everyone experiencing or otherwise affected by this cruelty. Right, because many of us have friends or family or know someone who may be affected by this issue. And here at Lip Hop Bang, uh, we do not stand... Uh, alongside the current political regime and taking a zero tolerance to immigration issues and our hearts go out to people affected by this and we hope that our listeners can find a way uh, in their private or in their public lives to find a way to resist uh, these issues. Right. Keep resisting and keep hope. There it is, people. Coming to you from Charm City, this is Cece. And this is Anthony. And you're listening to Lit Pop Bang. All right, cool. We have a great episode for you today. Yeah, we're today excited. Today we are welcoming Dave Ring. Yay! Dave Ring, in addition to being a friend of ours, is a speculative fiction writer. He is also the co-chair of Outright uh, DC. It's an LGBTQ literary festival in Washington, D.C. Yes. Um, he's also a 2013 Lambda Literary Fellow in Genre Fiction. Amazing. His short stories have been published in the journals Helen and Speck's Journal of Art and Culture, as well as a number of anthologies. Most recently, he is the author uh, or the editor Edera. of Broken Metropolis. Queer Tales of a City That Never Was. It is coming out this month from Mason Jar Press. As we've mentioned before, Mason Jar are the hosts and producers of our podcast. So Dave, that's the official on your webpage bio, but tell us about you, real you, beyond that. Yeah, I felt very seen with that that (laughs) website. Someone went to my website. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I guess, so... Doing it's been kind of a busy couple months. Uh, in April, maybe I was at Futurescapes in Utah, which is pretty interesting. That was what like a speculative fiction workshop. Oh, cool! Um, there were like 40 of us. We were at Sundance Resort. Oh, wow! Oh, cool. there's cool. that. There's yeah. that wonderful Apparently, moment. <laughs> I was in the bar with Robert Redford. What? But I didn't recognize him. Oh, it felt like a crushing us here. Moment. Oh, what's your Robert Redford movie? Oh, mine's up close and personal. Mine's the way we were. I'm gonna go with the way we were too. Mm. Yeah, I mean, man, it's one of my favorite queer films. It's not really queer. It was beautiful. It was I don't know. One day it was like shorts weather, this like beautiful mountain range kind of vista, and then like it snowed for a few hours. When it what month? um, It was in April. Wow, and it was just right in the cusp of like a weird weather shift. Did you see Mormons? I think, yeah. <laughs> is that a wrong there, question? Maybe. I mean, it's like their place. Yeah, it right. is. It is. It I, is. You it know, is. and you kind of try to honor the place. Um, it was, uh, my big takeaway for Utah is like overhead in the plane. It looks like Mars. Have y'all been? To Utah? Mars? <laughs> <laughs> I was I just, just like. So, yeah, I drove through Utah I about a, a two, no, three, four years ago. I tried to move across the country and I drove. You tried. Did you fail? Yeah, I was there for like three months and I came back. Um, But I was successful in driving across the country and we drove through um, northern Utah. I don't know if it would have the same effect amidst the, on the ground. Yeah. You mean versus flying over? Yeah. 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 I bet it looks like Mars. That... Yeah, I, it, I'm, I'm struggling to not get the phone out and show you all the photos, but rest assured, <laughs> oh. it had a, a yeah. Martian landscape. Google thing. Utah, readers. Yeah. Or be afraid it's, like me. It's a state. I'm, I'm black. I'm afraid of Utah. I oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what it would be like for people of color. I don't know. I mean, I don't know Western about states. There were a lot of white people there. The Mormon church, That's what I figured. Yeah. Right, I yeah. figured that. But there might be friendly white people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there were funny like it's illegal to jaywalk there. Like um, Oh, this sounds like Dubai or something. Or I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Who says a, that? It's a sharp is turn. That... <laughs> Wait. We need to keep this conversation yeah, okay. moving. 
Yeah, otherwise, I've got Utah stories. Yeah, so. But anyway, so Fugitescapes was amazing. Uh, I'm doing this thing in July that I'm excited about. It's called the Disquiet Residency. So oh, yeah! Brace yourselves. I'm going to be in the Azores Lisbon. for 10 days. Lisbon, right? Well, Lisbon's the first part, and I'm going to the residency part, not the workshop part. So I'm in oh. uh, the Azores, like in the... Um, uh, crater lakes and oh, geothermic cool. pools. I and... have been stalking that. Uh, resi- you will have to tell me all about it. Well, that was amazing. Well, I yeah. wasn't. I, I kind of just looked at it and was like, I can't afford that. And then I entered their writing contest, and they they I didn't win, but they briefly flattered me, and I was just like, Yes, I do. Would like I would like to go to your own residency. Compliments get you very far. Right? I mean, yeah, I d- dropped a pretty penny, but uh, I, so I don't know. So it's ten days, and hopefully um, I'll finish. Well. Maybe like right, maybe another third of my my novel that I'm working on. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, very cool. Um, can you tell us about the novel? Or are you waiting to talk about it? I mean, just so it's like a uh, well, I think it's a YA fantasy novel, um, which just just super queer YA fantasy novel. Yeah. Although um, at Futurescapes, people were skeptical that it was YA. Um, it's yeah. so it's written in first past, and they were like, well, YA is written in first present, and then adult literature is written in third past that so sounds more like a market convention than anything yeah, about yeah, yeah, literature. yeah 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 <laughs> but uh it put me in this place where i'm like i think it's ya <laughs> well in, in, in any event they liked it yeah there were some nice things said i'm super excited to write more um and there were not gonna be crater lakes and geothermic pools in the book but i think that there are going to be <laughs> after this residency so, right yeah. there it is great there's yeah. that all right, cool. So let's start with, um, why don't you tell us a bit about uh, the book you just edited, Broken Metropolis? Yeah. Yes, super excited. So Broken Metropolis, queer tales of a city that never was. Um, the origin story of it? or Anything like that. How it came pitch? about, what it's like, what's in it. Well, so, um, so Celeste is sort of responsible for the, the idea germinating in me. So um, having gone to the launch of the Black Ladies Brunch Crew book, I was just excited about what the process was like, and it just felt like a really good energy over at Mason Jar. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So at some point, something just prompted me to shoot an email over to um, Mike Tager, and... uh, Wait, that's the first time I've said his last email. Is that the right way to say it? Yeah, Tager. Michael B. Tager. Yeah. Sorry, Mike. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I was like, hey, I'd love to do this. I've got this, this idea in my head. Uh, like a queer urban fantasy um, anthology. What do you think? And uh, him and Ian were um, really enthusiastic right from the get-go. Mm. Um, we had a meeting. It was a similar thing to this where I had a little bit of a train fiasco, but made oh. my way, made my way <laughs> to Baltimore. Oh, so um, and uh, yeah, here we are now. That's so, awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's how that started. So for those who, who are not me and CC, um, we, um, Dave had a little bit of a hard time getting here today. Um, this is the story of my life. It's DC to Baltimore. Um, it's a a very short trip that can end up taking a very long time. Yeah, I mean anybody can. <laughs> Anything can happen between DC yeah. and Baltimore. That's what we say. But yeah. I mean, so oh, I was just, I don't know, just I'm really good at getting on the wrong train. <laughs> it's, oh. just, it's like almost a superpower. So I'm just pleased that I made it. It's, yeah. It just feels like it's a is it a confidence thing? You're like I'm sure that I'm just gonna walk around on this train and it ends up being. I listen to the wrong people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you know, <laughs> some people can probably pick out the most like competent. Yeah. It's like like you know like the equivalent of like the woodsman like I like whoever is like really good at public transportation yeah. and um I listened to the wrong dude before we move forward uh, what was it like just to work with sort of all sorts of queer writers to bring this all together right because it's an anthology right <laughs> yeah so it was um so it was we had an open um open call for submissions um uh, over the course of a few months. And some of the stories, they, they sort of like sing to you right away. Like you read the first paragraph and you're like, damn, like I want this in my book, you know? Um, and then some of them, you're, you're like weighing the uh, the content of the anthology and thinking about like what it hmm. has and what it doesn't have. Yes. Um, and, or even just some of like the practical considerations. Like I read this beautiful like uh, 11,000 word um, submission that... Like it could have been its own like sort of chat book, and yeah. if if we'd had the room, um, I would have like loved to include it. It was really um, 
interesting ideas. So things like that, you know, it's funny when you reject things and you're like, it breaks my heart to send this story yeah. back to Aww. you. Believe me. But uh, it just doesn't quite fit with what we... Yeah, what we yeah. yeah. brilliant and beautiful. Yeah. Not yeah. a fit. Yeah. yeah. I think that's an interesting um, story. Editor to editor. Mm. I think it's interesting to also think about um, you as an editor are working with mostly people you don't have a personal work. Yeah, I didn't know any of them. Yeah. Oh, any of them. None yeah. of them. Zero. I didn't know that. Okay. I thought maybe you might have known one or two. No, everyone um, Everyone came out of the slush. Wow. Yeah. That's, really that's cool. kind of amazing. Yeah, yeah. And that's a very different relationship as an editor because you really um, are out there in the ether working with people one-on-one -on -one, back and forth about editing and those sorts of things. I'm nodding. Yeah, exactly. Did, that's, right? that's the process. Yeah. Yeah. Was so, it was it weird or was it? Was, it... Um, everyone was really gracious and... Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I was thinking about power and it's funny when you're like the editor of something because I don't know, usually I'm on the other side of it where I'm submitting Me things. Me too. And, yeah. Um, I've definitely had situations where people are like, oh, I want to accept this. And then they, then the next email is like, can you tell us what you meant by this story? <laughs> and you're like, oh, 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 yes, I can. But then you're, you're kind of starting from a different place. Um, and uh, so I don't know, we tried to be really light-handed with um, our edits and never like mess with like authorial voice. Mm. Um, That's cool. Ashley Miller at um, Mason Jar um, did a lot of uh, like line edits with me as well, and she's a, a really really good eye. It was really great working with her. Yeah, um, me and Ashley Miller went to school together. She you did really not. Good people, yeah. Should we get, oh, I've never we met got, her in person. It's we got funny. our MFA together. Yeah. Oh, cool. Great. Yeah, I, 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 Ashley, I look forward to meeting you. <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> Ashley, I hope you listen to our podcast. Um, yeah, you had a question too, right? You had a yeah, of, I have millions of questions. Yeah. But first, the first thing I want to say, Dave, is um, I'm not a fantasy or necessarily or a sci-fi person per se. I think I know that from this podcast. Maybe, oh, really? Maybe. I think one time we talked about it with like superhero movies or something. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And Anthony's always talking. I'm, yeah. I, yeah. I, I just, I'm, I'm blank when it comes to certain, certain like genres. I'm just not, I mean, superheroes, I'm, I'm half and half with, but sci-fi, fantasy, I'm really kind of lacking. But, Saying that, what I want to say is I, I really did love the anthology. I really found myself or uh, I really found myself reading through the stories and realizing that the queer element was not at the forefront of all of the stories. Sometimes it was it was interwoven in places. It didn't feel like to me as someone who, first of all, it's not my genre, right? So um, if I'm reading it and, I'm, and I keep reading it, I'm like, yeah, this is great. This is great work, you know? Then that means that it has a certain marketability and also has a certain resonance, I think, with people who um, even aren't queer, like myself, and, and understand that literature has a universal sort of meaning, right? So first of all, I'd like to say that I loved, I loved it. I loved reading through the stories um you know stuff like uh cats being drawn and then coming to life and you know all these i mean all this really interesting sort of like fantastical stuff and i'm like i don't know and then the story ends you know it's just or or the, the plague eating cancer uh monster you know all of this like really interesting stuff that for me felt fun and light but also that the issues of being queer um were in it but not necessarily what what the anthology was pushing so i don't that's not a question that's a yeah, statement a question not a comment i'm so excited that you've read it i don't know why i didn't know that you'd read it oh well, we have the we have the, yeah, we, we have the, the pdf we have the early proof right? I, yeah yeah we have the proof i'm beside myself <laughs> tell me more about how you love it <laughs> tell you more about but my question is going to be what made you, you sort of said you came to uh you know black ladies brunch collectives reading sort of got the energy there but what made you want to do this anthology now at this current state of um you know you could have done it i mean maybe it's maybe it was the fact that you saw an opportunity but also i think um sometimes things are timely in terms of thinking about what's going on in our yeah, political climate sure. so do you feel that this um if if it wasn't specifically that you wanted to this to be resistance against the current political regime, why did you do it now, or what do you think it can offer um, as an anthology to readers right now? Well, I guess, I mean, to, I guess I subscribe to the sort of, um, I guess it came from like feminist practice, praxis, but, you know, the personal is political, and yeah. the yeah. idea that um, telling stories and um, is a way of um, helping other people see themselves, yeah. and I talk about that a little bit in my um, like editor's note in the beginning of the collection. Yes, um, you do. Yeah, and thinking a lot about just 
how sometimes without honest reflections of yourself, it's difficult to um, self-actualize yes. maybe? Yes. Something, yes. something along those lines. So, so whenever I think about a collection like this, I'm just thinking like this is a little bit, these are a few more reflections for people to... Um, um, to hopefully see themselves in and yeah. um, uh, use that for for their like grist for the mill for moving forward. Yeah, yeah representation yeah. matters. That's yeah, for sure. we talked about that last last episode. I didn't yeah. articulate it nearly as beautifully as you had, but but I like it. I like I like like the idea of representation and and making the spots of of reflection not just in tropic ways, right? In right. complex ways, mm, because right. those complex ways are often right. what we're looking for, right? Like I grew up queer and punk rock, and it right. wasn't until like nineteen twenty someone's like, "Hey, did you know? Do you know about queer core? Did you know that there's queer punk rock?" Right? right. Like, <laughs> and those intersectional and complex right. and unexpected reflections of right. who we are, and not just a singular gay story, a singular trans story, a singular bi story, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and like the multiplicity of the stories sort of lets the um, the details of the individual stories like live and breathe on their mm. own, right? Yeah. Whereas when there's only a couple, there's so much pressure for them to, to be a certain way. Um, yeah. And by having more of them, that, yeah. um, it, it, it takes the pressure off and then lets that the individual ones... Um, um, be what they are without having to stand in for like a whole cohort yeah. of people. Yeah, and and this unexpected thing happens too that I love that um, the stories next to each other interact, right? Mm. Even if they're written mm. individually, right. when they're put together, right, as a collection, yeah, right, they interact totally, with each what, other. Right? That's what I'm saying about the anthology yeah. is that it's all these stories, these singular. I mean, it, and again, it's fiction, right? So yeah. I don't feel like it's real people's lives you know yeah. whatever but i do feel like it's representative of lives in the world right you know what yeah. i mean but they're yeah. all different in these different sort of ways so when i read um the story that uh, includes the the Me- miguel i think is his name the mexican mm-hmm. when he's talking about um this is the plague this is the, the plague, plague monster yeah. right so I, when i read that i felt like oh there's also brown person representation in here you know yeah. and he, his friend says to him oh i don't want this just to be like another you know like ethnic minority sort of you know fantasy sort sort of idea about someone the plague monster you know and i thought of that as as a black person i felt like oh people say that all the time black people believe x you know what i mean throw salt over your shoulder when something bad happens or you know something of that nature so but the point to me is there are all these intersections in the anthology that i think are really uh poignant and important and really and even and there's there's even a story now i love astrology there's an astrology Mm. story there's a it's venus con conjunct something i can't remember the title of the of the story but anyway i mean just fantastic really fantastic heartwarming stories i mean that i thought were um real and felt and well articulated well edited all those things so i mean really it's a really great collection so i really want to you know applaud you i'm really excited that y'all have read (laughs) yeah and cc i'm so I'm so happy you're so enthusiastic about this book that's outside of the genre you normally Yeah, do. right. I, I think it has to be from someone who, I don't know, who's good and I love and like. And I don't know. You can't just sit me down in front of, like, you know, Jurassic Park 9 and be like, you know, <laughs> it's just not going to happen. You know what I mean? People, I'm not going to like it. I've watched portions of one of the early ones and I hate it. I hate dinosaurs and people running and, and forests and all that shit. So, but anyway, all but right. this I love. I think it's a great um, representation. All right, moving forward just a little bit. Sure. I also, so you're also the community chair for Outright. Yes. Um, it's an yeah. annual festival of LGBTQ plus writers, right? And we've both been in the past either as attendees or presenters. Yeah. Um, but for, for those who don't know about it, what can you tell us about Outright generally? And then what's exciting about this year's festival, which is August, just a month away from when we drop this? It's right around the corner. Um, yeah, so um, I think this is my third year as chair. Um uh, sort of like sort of running things behind the scenes. Um, we have more than I think it's sixty eight writers who are going to be you know writing or paneling or moderating. Um, there's twenty readings and like eleven panels. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, it's a lot. So August third <laughs> to fifth. Um, it's still in this exact moment. There's still um, a lot of things in my to do list that are slightly daunting. But we've got the program is pretty much locked down just about got all the sort of event listings up we only have one more um like prepared like events that's going to happen separate mm-hmm. um before that um so 
Sorry, this isn't very exciting. I'm, I'm just thinking about that. Yeah, thinking about logistics. <laughs> thinking about logistics. <laughs> You're planning. I guess, but, but I don't know. One unintentional side effect of me being the person in charge has been that there have just been a lot more um, queer speculative writers yeah. who have been coming, uh, which is delightful for me um, and I hope for the attendees as well. And then this year we have a bit of a theme um, related to like writing and deconstructing memoir. Um, especially since our keynote, which there should be a press release dropping pretty soon. Hopefully by the time this comes out, it'll have <laughs> happened. But so Ms. Michelle T is going to be our keynote, which we're really excited about. Yeah. Um, which Anthony's been gracious to agree to co-moderate. So. Yeah, you've been gracious to invite me to come co-moderate that. Well, we had that moment talking about uh, Black Wave and Dahlgren mm-hmm. on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And so when I was thinking of someone that I could tap to to bring in like your name jumped right to the forefront there yeah so for readers who aren't familiar black wave um it's really interesting it is a queer apocalyptic memoir and so it blends a lot of the elements of traditional queer memoir with a lot of the elements of apocalyptic and other sort of end of the world speculative literature um in a way that Dahlgren certainly does. Um, yeah, like, yeah, and Dahlgren's maybe my favorite book. And so the, this tackled a lot of those tropes in ways that um, I wasn't expecting. I didn't yeah. I didn't realize it was going to mine that vein in the way that it did. So as I was reading it, I was um, almost ambushed by it in a really yeah. good way. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Ambushed in a yeah. good way. Yeah. yeah. I like that phrase. It, and it also, I don't know, it got the, the darkness in it. It was human darkness, but it was... Um, just the ways that Michelle T extrapolated people's reactions at the likely end of the world broke my heart. Um, and in a way, in ways that, um, I don't know that, um, that something that was straight up fiction would have done the same thing. So I, it was, uh, it was pretty interesting to me. Yeah. 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 It's really, really interesting stuff. You should try it. It's like, oh, it's, no, it's, it's, really? it's, it's, it's really just like the, um, the, the layers of speculativeness to it are, mm. are, are, um, it's so close to possible that, hmm. that, um, I think you'd really be into it. Yeah. I think alternative worlds are, I'm kind of, I, that I'm kind of, in, that I'm kind of interested in. So maybe, maybe, maybe I'll step, <laughs> I'll dip my lady toe in there. Yeah. I'll just dip in the pool. It's also, it's also really meta narrative and that she's talking right. about, like you, I think you're suggesting talking about tropes of queer literature and talking about tropes of uh, apocalyptic literature as mm. she's telling the story, a queer apocalyptic story. Mm. Yeah. And there's so many moments of like this, like wannabe woke white queer <laughs> that I felt so seen by <laughs> in so many places. Like, woke and queer. yeah. Uh, I love that. Like thinking be... you're really woke. And yeah, then, like, and then being like challenged on it, right, and being like, oh, like, I'm corny as shit. Right, and you're seeing the places where like the narrator, you know, who's also Michelle, but is a, uh, um, is like calling herself out. But you can tell that the writer knows it, but the the character doesn't. Yeah, and it's. Just, I, I think that's a good. That's a good yeah. teaser. We hope you all that. come. It's August. Oh, August third to fifth. So the third is going to be like a kickoff party. It's a Ten Tigers Parlor. It's going to be a, a night of literary comedy. Ooh, writers who are also right. comics very mm. excited um and then the, the main day of the festival is the saturday starts 10 a.m goes till 7 p.m and there's also um a lot of exhibitors people selling books you can buy a copy of broken metropolis yeah right um, <laughs> this fantastic <laughs> anthology people and then the sunday um which is the fifth so there's two work two it's writing workshops so two at 10 two at noon and two at two um, and those are free for writers and they kind of run the gamut and think about craft um crafts uh querying um i think we're gonna do one on sex writing i don't know mm. sex writing doesn't sound good maybe erotic writing erotic, erotic writing literature. erotic yeah. queer writing it's hard saying. it's hard to do it well do you say it's it hard <laughs> <laughs> sorry are we wow are we going are we going down i didn't are we mean going, to i thought maybe you going? were making that that <laughs> Weird reference, weird, and I was calling you on it, and then I, I intentionally just made it myself. <laughs> I'm so gonna, I really rec- I'm gonna go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna recommend. I was gonna recommend going out. Right, it's so good. It's so oh good. yeah, of course you should. Not only because I'm gonna be there, but I mean, last year I went and had so much fun. Um, and I went too. I've been for yeah. two years now, yeah. or maybe 
yeah, I think two, maybe only three. I don't know. But yeah, anyway. It's really um, welcoming. It's yeah. like a chance to both connect with friends who are queer writers in the yeah. community, to meet new queer writers. Cool to, book fair. Yeah, to see some of your favorites, yeah. to meet, find some new favorites, it's all of that. it's a pretty intimate space. Yeah. So if yeah. you're just looking to share space and um, air with some queer writers, it's yeah. a good place. The panels are um, more like conversations. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot to be said for not having to explain that part of yourself in yeah. this yeah. Um, venue. Um, although I think there's still some uh, like critical interrogation of like other parts of identity, yeah. but like not that one in that space. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And even, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Wait, what were you going to say? I'm, what just, you gonna say? I'm, just, I'm just gushing about outright. You go ahead. You should, no, you should gush. No, <laughs> no I have a personal, yeah. I'm going to switch the tone to something personal. So you should get, finish yeah. with outright. I was going to say, yeah, I think not needing to present that part. I mean, that's one of the interesting things about like these like identity based models for, for conferences mm. and for workshops like Lambda, like outright, but also like, like Kavi 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 Kavi. Kavi. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. Um, yeah. Is yeah. that, that you're at a starting point where you don't need, to catch people up, right, for the workshop. And that's really cool, right? You can just talk about queer literature. Like, Although yeah. it's funny when you think that you're in that place. And I don't know, I know that the year that I was at Lambda, um, it, these identity-based workshops maybe have, like, varying degree. I don't want to say safety, but, like, there was definitely, like, some trans one-on-one that had to happen mm. in places in order mm. for, like, everyone to feel like... Mm. Um, that there was, like, a greater safety in that yeah. space. So. That's where often needs to be yeah. in broad... LGBTQ plus and it happened and people were receptive and I think for some people it was like a huge kind of like a uh, awareness moment for them but um, and I guess now I'm kind of going off the rails because I I, even I can't even say like to the extent that like that maybe other people felt it was successful but anyway yeah but there's a way there's a way in which people need to go and um, also be educated sometimes in certain ways because I feel like even among other black writers other black female writers my blackness is not their blackness you know my feminism is not their feminism so I mean I think that's really important for you to lay a groundwork sometimes where everybody can come and you know disclose themselves yeah yeah and there's still more of an environment of like calling in instead of calling out right right which is which can be helpful for a lot of people right yeah, sure. so i want to switch the subject a go little bit and go for something personal usually i don't do this on <laughs> lip pop bang but i've already pre gotten the pre-authorization from dave to ask this question so dave um first of all i would like to say congratulations on get getting recently married as someone who is um i'm not a newlywed but someone who's also <laughs> semi recently married uh, i'd like to say congratulations thank you and um then i'd like to say i know your partner we don't have to mention your partner's name here uh, on lip pop bang but i know that you're in an interracial relationship as am i so i wanted to ask you um what extra layer this is kind of both a political and a personal question right um they're both also intertwined with one another but how what what extra added layer does that add um in terms of being in a same-sex relationship but also same-sex interracial relationship and what experiences have you had um you can mention a microaggression or you can mention um you could even mention something positive that has happened to you during the course of your relationship and also you and your partner have been together for a while before getting married let me just say that too so yeah yeah i think yeah. we so we just had our 12 year anniversary yeah well and so we got married and we were together 11 and a half years um and I successfully accomplished the goal of not having to do my taxes anymore. <laughs> what, is this, what does this have to do? Look, look, wait, wait. I'm like, wait. Because well, his, his, right? his accountant oh. did my taxes. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, okay. It, okay. Was, it was beautiful. There's that moment. The wedding was great, too. <laughs> wow. Um, you just added, you just added, I didn't have to do my taxes. Okay, but. But, but I, I don't know. I guess the thing that I think about most, um, like the interactions that, um, have been the most challenging in ways that 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 aren't necessarily part of everyday life but so uh my partner my husband he's got like a like a travel hobby so we go to lots of cool places he's really he tracks all the flights you know how to use all the points Ooh. we stay at all the, the fancy hotels when mm. we go to these places so but after after uh i don't know maybe like the 10th time of standing in line with him waiting to check in to the hotel and like he'll be checking in and i'm standing behind him and then other people will be like oh can i help you sir and like they just can't comprehend sure that we're together this happens to us all the time yeah like i hate it, it yeah and it's and i can't tell if it's the queer thing i can't tell if it's the two dudes thing um <laughs> 
I hate it. And so yeah. I do this thing now when we go to hotels where like I just let him go check in and I go sit in the lobby and, like, mm, and basically wow. preemptively sulk because Aww. I don't want to deal with it. Like the world's homophobic and racist. Yeah, yeah. And like in, in the ways in which it is, like I can't necessarily parse or pull apart. So instead I just like take myself out of it. Um, and it also means, I don't know, like then we also can skip the thing where they try to put us into two single beds. Which <laughs> No, that has not happened. Yeah, like more times than I can count. What? Like that they, one seems more like the homophobia thing than the racist. What? Yeah. Excuse me? Yeah, because, and you know, like. No, no, sir. Listen, Look, my, my, no, sir. my husband is a fancy man, right? So he is, he's a. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, he is. Like double diamond platinum. Like, at, like whenever he's got a membership in one of these customer programs. So, like, they've got his, like, profile, like, in the system, too. And then people, like, try to get helpful and change it to to the to the two beds no, sir. and then we have to change it back sometimes we don't know until we get to the room oh my god and oh then, no and then i have to stand there with my arms crossed back in the sulking position when oh, and he waits for, anyway it's a thing so that's what i think about when i think about the the challenges the, the challenges yeah um there's there's been i don't know like we live in um columbia heights in dc and we've been there for like seven and a half years now and um I, I don't know, I'm of an age where I'm not super physically demonstrative, but still, like, I know that if we did want to walk around holding hands, we probably could, and it'd be fine. Mm. And there's, like, a lot of queer couples, and there's a lot of interracial couples in that neighborhood, and it, it feels uh, pretty great in that way. So there's good parts of it, too. Um, but, man, traveling. Yeah. Especially yeah. in like a country where you're like, wait, did I Wikipedia the rules? I'm being a homo in this place. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then right. you can't quite remember. And you're right. Like, Do I make a stink about this or not? Right. Yeah. And being away from home really lets you know. Um, it's a wake up call, I think. And sometimes it happens to my husband and I all the time when we go places. It's like, oh, I, I don't, I don't think about it. It's really weird for me. I really don't think. I mean, I know it sounds crazy. We're different races. I really don't on a daily basis mostly think about it. Are you saying you don't see color? I'm not saying. You know what? That's bullshit. Bullshit. When people say they're colorblind, I think colorblindness. Is I think bullshit. it's bullshit too. I was right. just giving But what I'm time. saying though is that on an everyday basis, I don't go around thinking about uh, the fact that he's white, right? Yeah. You know what I mean. But I mean, I'm I'm made aware of it when I go to spaces that are new, um, and when we travel often. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, TSA. We've had a couple of incidences. Uh, TSA, where I've just been like, excuse, well, excuse me, what? I need to see your, I need to see your manager. I need to see some, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, so it happens like that. So I think it's um, unfortunate, but I think it's, you know, I don't know. I guess it's part of America, you know. Um, you know, but it's different when we're at home. We're we're at home. I think uh, we move around in enough spaces where people know us and things feel more comfortable. Yeah. But um, it's not it's not always that way. Yeah, know? I don't know. I don't know what the the, the stats are on on different. Uh, different race relationships, but I know that Pew says that DC is the gayest place in America um, by self identity. So oh. um, DC is actually uh, higher rates of self identified LGBTIQ than even San Francisco, right? Um, by several percentage points. So, right. That's uh, fascinating. It is fascinating, right? You don't think of DC as a particularly gay or queer place. I mean, I think it's a gay place. It's not I don't a very know. queer place. I was just outside Atlantic, Atlantic Plumbing in DC last night and there were an awful lot of gays around there yeah also Catherine Pugh giving her opinion I mean Uh, she was at the pride parade we can't we didn't even talk about the pride parade we can't we're not did you go to the pride parade in DC I didn't go this year you didn't go okay I uh are you an old gay you don't go because you're an old gay easy there (laughs) elder millennial you know (laughs) Hey, easy, <laughs> easy calling someone old are gay. Are we the same age? Oh, we are probably. You yeah, younger know. than me, actually. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. We um, we ended up, you know, actually. Oh, you know, I almost lied a little bit. So I, I did get, to, I did go to kind of downtown towards the end. I ended up in town, saw a cool um, drag show. Oh, that's cool. Two of the queens had beards. Yeah, love it. We were just talking about that. I was just talking about um, bearded drag. And that's Donna not... Slash. That's who ran the show. It was an awesome drag show. Yeah. Be- bearded drag at, as not a joke, not as um, skag drag or whatever it was called before. Um, something distinctly new really mm. emerging in yeah. the last five years. Of... She had a lot of glitter in it. it. Full it makeup, blood glitter, full, full fan. Full not a joke to have a beard, just natural part of it. Yeah. yeah. And even, yeah. I mean, the other queen that had a beard, even then, the um, 
it it felt more like a like a like a gender variation yeah. than a than a joke. Yeah. Um more celebratory. Yeah, it was it was very celebratory. Yeah. Yeah. Um I don't know, I was I was into it. It was it was the first time I've been in a crowded gay bar in a while and I was yeah. just like, Oh god. This is, <laughs> why, this is why I stay at home and play Overwatch. <laughs> On that note, people, happy Pride Month. All right, so Davis stepped out for a moment. Now we're going to do the pop portion of our program. So much pop culture. Yeah, so much pop culture. There's been a lot going on this month. There has. On that note, our first issue, somewhat political. Oh, yeah? Political-esque, right? And pop-esque, too? Yes, and pop-esque, too. Pop-esque. Is that a word? Elon Musk. Oh. Still sucks. Your favorite guy. Your not favorite guy, actually. All right, yeah. So this month, um, Elon Musk sent about couple ridiculous tweets as he often does he said first that all socialists are depressing have no sense of humor and all came from overprivileged schools and then and then came and he said uh, he tweeted that Karl Marx was actually a capitalist and wrote a whole book about capitalism I mean can we can we get people who who don't have proper information to stop commenting on things. Can we get Kanye yes. to stop saying slavery was a choice? If you don't know about it, don't talk about it, right? Exactly, um, exactly. So for those who don't know, Marx wrote a famous book, Capital, yeah. right? And it is about um, how our current system exploits yes. labor and workers. alienates workers, sure. right? It is a commentary on capitalism, but it's right. certainly not a capitalist An endorsement, book. exactly. Yeah. Not an endorsement for <laughs> capitalism, Elon Musk. Yeah, but then following that up, he also said, uh, he said he was a socialist. Uh, and when he called out on it that he doesn't understand socialism, that his his certainly his actions don't represent socialism, he said, and I'm quoting his tweet here, by oh. the way, I'm actually a socialist, just not the kind that shifts resources from the most productive to the least productive, pretending to do good while actually causing harm. True socialism seeks greatest good for all. Oh, uh, maybe that last, that half last. True, half, half true. Half true, yeah, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was like, ah, oh, the last part may be yeah, kind of true. Good spirit, uh, incorrect information. Right, exactly. One of my favorite parts about this is actually um, Haymarket Books. Uh, it's a great press. They they specialize in producing radical texts, both yeah. new and old. And, and they support uh, great poetry texts as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and cool causes. What about um, Haymarket? So, Haymarket tweeted them. Uh, tweeted at him something ridiculous like, oh, thanks so much for explaining this to all of us. <laughs> and he responded to no, them. No, no. And, and what they said, he millionaire-splained he millionaire Marxism explained. I love that. to the radical left book publisher. Um, yeah, not a good look on the news. Also, these, these, odd, these odd moments where I feel like pop culture and political statements are just uh, getting skewed. I just yeah. feel like... You know, I don't know if I want my pop culture people talking about. Yeah, we shouldn't be worshiping CEOs, right? Right. And and we shouldn't listen what they say just because they're rich, right? right? Even even though I totally want to take that trip to Mars or whatever that whatever that you know yeah yeah, that that trip to Mars get in a get in a I don't know canister and rocket somewhere to I don't know I'm totally interested in that. I know it sounds Uh, ridiculous. (laughs) I don't have the money to go, but I'm just saying I'd love to do it too. We won't ever afford the price. Private, uh, private space travel. Yeah, promises. We will never be before. You know, it'd be amazing. So. Maybe our listeners, listeners, we love you out there. Th- thank you guys for listening to us, uh, our podcast all the time. Maybe our listeners can get lit pop bang on this privately funded uh, trip to, <laughs> to space. Wouldn't it be amazing to yeah, record thanks lit for listening. pop bang? Also, get us to Mars. Um, can you imagine? It'd be so cool. <laughs> we'd be so cool eating little frozen ice creams and having our podcast. Oh, did, I I grew up loving space ice cream. Yeah, it's kind of. I cool. recall it is now cool. it's trash. No, it is it's disgusting. It's, it's like eating. It's like eating Pepto Bismol pills. I mean, it's, but it's kind of cool. No, I mean, I mean, it's like not real ice that, cream. Yeah, as a kid, I thought it was so cool. I'm like, right. oh, freeze dried food. That's so cool. <laughs> it's not cool. I've, anyway, I mean, oh yeah. All that to say, yeah. again, that's what I said at last episode, Elon Musk is not a genius, he is just rich. The only difference between him and any other average dude on the internet saying dumb stuff is his outrageous wealth. Right. That's the only difference, right? right. He's rich. Right. Don't listen to people just because they're rich. I agree, I agree. But oftentimes these people have big platforms and that's yeah. why they're able to disseminate yeah. this type of erroneous information. Yeah. If you want to know more about socialism from someone on the internet, black socialists... 
uh, great channel. They're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Great place to actually learn more about socialism and from a really approachable perspective. And I'm just going to go old school here, people, and say, you know, go to a library and pick up a <laughs> damn book. You know what I mean? I mean go to the library. <laughs> There's, There's nothing also, more socialist than going to the library and reading about socialism. Exactly. Hashtag library so lit. How about that? I love <laughs> I love my local library and I advocate everyone's local library all over the country. How about yeah, that? Yeah. Shout out to Enoch Pratt Library yeah, System always. here in Maryland. That's very supportive of writers in this area. All right. Next pop thing. Something was on both of our lists. Yeah. Jay-Z and Beyonce. The Carters. Oh my releasing God. Releasing an album. Go ahead. Give it so to So big. I mean, so... Okay. So... You know, first of all, um, Black Twitter was a buzz about, um, and it is, uh, yes, the, the album is called Everything is Love, right? And the uh, actual released uh, single is called Ape Shit. Yeah. And so uh, it's released by the Carters. Everybody is saying that this is the last in the trilogy, actually, of the right. relationship albums. Right. right? I love, this I concludes love, the right. trilogy. Yeah. I love that this is like a triptych on a wall or something. Mm. You know, I, I, lo yes. I love the idea of this, yeah. you know, that uh, Lemonade was first, 444 right. was second, right. and now we have everything is love. Right, a, a, an album, uh, an album, album narrative triptych. Right, um, triptych. Right, right. Or or, or 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 trilogy or whatever. Right, a narrative trilogy, and this completes that trilogy. Yeah, yeah. and even more interesting, what I thought is that I. First, when I started reading this, I thought, I don't know if this is, you know, this uh, trilogy of their love relationship. But actually, um, Jay-Z is noted as going, um, you know, saying, stating, actually, that um, these, these albums are being used as relationship therapy for him and Beyonce. So I thought that was actually kind of interesting. That do you he think actually that's said true? That. Or do you think that's part of the promotion of concluding this narrative trilogy. I don't know I think I think it's both I think it's both part and parcel because he says they're now making music together and they used to not really make music together oh, yeah. so I do think I think partially he might be telling the truth right you know what I mean I, it, I mean it could be promotion too um, I mean they don't need any extra promotion mechanisms let's be let's face it they're so i mean you know jason beyonce their, their work kind of sells itself right let's be honest but um anyway let's talk about that single let's yeah let's, yeah exactly okay, that's what, so ape shit is the single that that led the album visually stunning let me yeah. ju let me just say that yeah so as 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 is the norm nowadays the singles release not right. only audio but with right. a video matching right right exactly and, and there and beyonce's been into these video Films, yeah. so, you know, yeah. since Lemonade, Lemonade was a, a visual album, a video exactly. album, yeah, totally. exactly, right. So Ape Shit was released um, at, at with the with the full album, yeah. Um, Which the full Ape album Shit, I haven't listened to. Have full listened? album, the full album, behind all these paywalls, That's right? It's right. on title. Oh, it's right. on all the other streaming services, but on the, their premium pay things. Right. So uh, not a lot of people, except for people who have those services or music reviewers, have actually listened to the full album yet, I think. Mm. But everyone's listened to Ape Shit, right? They have. Ape Shit dropped at the same time. It's a visual right. single. The video... Uh, it's recorded. I'll, the video's great. And, and it is recorded okay. where, people? In Everyone. The in the Louvre. So, so... The Louvre. The, where does uh, Jay-Z and Bay rented out the Louvre? Yeah, they did. Um, to record this video. And if you watch the video... Yeah. It is, um, it is just them and dancers performing in front of some of the most famous works of, of European art and African ever. art that yeah. we have collected. Yeah. Um, so the Mona Lisa's in there. Yeah, there's a whole uh, list of, uh, of, of visually stunning and also uh, very historically interesting when you really uh, dig up the history yeah. behind some of these paintings. Neoclassical work. Yeah. Um, m many of them, a couple of them I remember, the coronation of Napoleon, uh, the invention of the Sabine woman, yeah, yeah. Uh, the raft of Medusa. Yeah, so yeah. all of these are really uh, very emotive and very expressive paintings. Some of them, uh, many people are saying that many of the paintings, they're, they're performing in front of them because they show the struggle of Jay-Z and Beyonce's love affair yeah. and also also the cheating that happened yeah. um, we're not gonna get into that too much yeah. but yeah they're saying that you know many of these pieces represent different pieces of their relationship and also maybe Beyonce's success coming through the whole you know the success of them as a couple coming through the difficulty is what they're you know sort of saying the reasons why some of the reasons why they're performing in front of um, some of these really like famous pieces famous art pieces yeah and it, the pieces they've selected have undoubtedly been pieces that uh, in one way or another have been commented on from either a sort of racial neocolonial lens right or through a feminist lens yeah or, I was or both say that or both, right yeah. so yeah it makes sense that they're trying to tie the visual art to their relationship to their status as black billionaires yeah um to to everything that they're basically their public identity represents yeah right so the video i mean the video i think the song ape shit it's whatever 
Honestly, the song's whatever. The video's visually stunning, it's amazing. It's very spectacle, them running out the Louvre, right? But the video is really gorgeous and smart and interesting, I think. The song, the song is like, I mean, this, the song is where Jay-Z, in particular, but Jay-Z and Beyonce together have been for a while, right? It's black billionaires rapping about <laughs> wealth and status, right? I'm going to say now, disclaimer for Lip Pop Bang, all the Beehive fans out there, do not come for us. We're not giving you your, our addresses because we don't want uh, angry Beyonce fans stalking us down. But I don't think it's even un reasonable to do that because I, I don't know about you. I'm a big Beyonce fan. I mean, you have to, right? As, as a queer man, I have to be at least a neophyte of the church of Beyonce, right? But uh, <laughs> I've also been raised on Jay-Z, so I'm also a big Yes, I agree. Fan. I agree. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not that I don't like them. I'm talking shit about them. No, no, no. Their earlier work was something different than their later work is. Yeah. Jay-Z in particular. I think Lemonade is brilliant. I think Lemonade's still really uh, culturally and emotionally rich, right? Yeah. I think Jay-Z in the last five, ten, five, let's say five years, has just been rapping about wealth, right? <laughs> about, And that's fine. There's a, there's, a, there's, I think there's a need for that. Right. I mean, it's we interesting. Talked about this yesterday, right? It's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. I think you can go either either and or both ways, right? I think Jay-Z has been, I agree with you, um for a while he's been talking about Basquiat and Rothko's buying Rothko's, putting Rothko's on the wall, and apparently Blue Ivy has purchased her first uh piece of art. I don't know if you knew I that or not. That. No. I don't I don't know if Blue Ivy has a wallet and a purse, but apparently <laughs> she's purchasing art for $20,000 already. Yeah. So they're sort of priming the pump, right? To this this video to me feels like a culmination of something that they've been sort of maybe thinking about or planning or you know for a while right yeah, of course. but I do think um it's interesting what you say about the song like right so I took a look at some of the lyrics right yeah. I actually think um you know early on in 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 the in the song you know um Beyonce says stuff like you know give me my check you know what I mean yeah. and, and you're yeah. just kind of like give me a oh. check or pay me an equity right right, yeah, right. Yeah. and I was just like oh there's yeah. there's that moment I yeah. was just like you know that's that's interesting right but also I think that she in there are other ways in which the song, I think some of the lyrics are, um, I would say, subversive and interesting, right? You know, and I would say, I'm going to argue here and say that I think Jay-Z's rap in this particular uh, single is one of the best raps that I've heard him do in a long while. I like that he starts off talking about, I'm a gorilla in a fucking coop, you know, uh, yeah. pulling up to the zoo. I, li I like his... Um, construction of himself is sort of being this sort of uh, aggressive black, and I mean the song is entitled "Ape Shit," right? So yeah. they're trying, they're kind of trying yeah. to think about yeah. um, the ideology of black people being looked at and constructed yeah. as monkeys and as um, you know animals, and thinking about and and subverting that and putting that inside the museum, sure. right? You know, yeah. and they're exactly. even. And they're even standing, you know, statuesque, if we want to use that word, as if they themselves are the art, right? Yes. Which is a really interesting sort of idea. So, I mean, it's playing on a lot of things, right? But again, you this know? is like the video. And I think I think you're onto something, right? That it's clearly with the title. They're talking about race and, and uh, white constructions of, of blackness, right? And, right? and responding to that and subverting that. And right. certainly the video, that's why the video is a perfect fit in my mind, right? It the is. The video is, right. is, is them as black billionaires Standing in front of both European and African art yeah. um, is a statement in itself and one that ties to those racial constructions yeah. like apes, right? That, that right. really like old school American, uh, European generally, um, yeah. construction of, uh, of, of of a white gaze on black people. Right? Yes, like, that's definitely. And they're giving yeah. the black, putting a black gaze in a white space. Yeah. And you know that I, I love. Mean? That's and, interesting. Yeah, and that I love. And the parts of the song that get it that I like. Yeah. But what I think the song also gets at with the pay me or pay me an equity thing, mm. it just also reminds me of in 444, the way they're yeah. like, he talks about how like people need to invest in art, right? Like, right. And, and there's a, a remote few people in the United States who, who I, it's a, a small fraction of people in the United States who can and do invest I agree. in art. Yeah. So I think, I don't know, I think that like it's important, uh, I, I don't want to dismiss, I, I, as a socialist, I don't want to entirely dismiss <laughs> black billionaires, right? Like, right. Um, I think it's important for people to see black billionaires. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. And to see black success. Yeah. Black capitalist success yeah. is important in the capitalist sure. system, right? Sure. And, and just 
just everything that they represent. They represent, yeah, capitalism, but also creators, right? Yeah, and also they do, and both of them do a lot of philanthropic um, things on the outside of making their music, which I think is interesting too, you know. But the last thing I want to say about the song in terms of the lyrics and also the song and the visual is I loved all the stuff uh, the throw out to or the throw back to the NFL and Colin Kaepernick taking a knee. That part I really, really loved, you know, especially because in Jay-Z's rap, he say he has this line like, I said no to the Super Bowl, you need me, I don't need you. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I love yeah. that. I love him sort of coming for, you know what I mean, the NFL. I love that yeah. piece of that, you know. And yeah. so that that to me uh, was a very strong and bold political statement. Yeah. And so there were places where I did feel like the song, it ebbed and flowed, right, yeah. in terms, you know, it did, you know. That's the, a great example of what I'm talking about, right? I think it's so important for people to see that, like, saying no. Artist and people of color saying no to white creators, white yeah. producers, right? Yeah. But, but I, at the same time, that's a moment where he's both doing that and reflecting sort of like black strength, right? Right. But at the same time, still operating within a really capitalist system. Pay me. Oh, right. I need you. You don't. Need, uh, you need me. I don't need you. They're still right. like, operating within this. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Look how wealthy the car is. I mean, still, thing, I mean right? the thing is, he's still flossing, right? He's yeah. still he's still Jay Z in a big car yeah. with, with with big big jewels and big money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally. mean, I yeah, and I get that, and I think it's great that he's that, and I think over the total narrative arc of Jay Z to be rapping about you know drug dealing in Virginia. I, all the way to yeah. fucking running out the loo, right? Right, like, right, right. Beautiful narrative arc, right? Yeah. For me, though, as someone who's still broke, I can't relate. <laughs> are you broke? To, to super wealthy people of all ages. Lip hop bang listeners are, be, are like, wow, are they bro- are they broke? He's not totally. He's, I'm not he's totally broke, broke but, but I work more than one job. But working and you're working. And you're working. I mean, working yeah. class at the end of the day, and so yeah, am I. yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. we're both educators. Yes, yeah. but for those but, who don't know, right. Uh, the current state of education is such that that really you gotta work. You have to work, and there's really it's there right. is a real system of exploited labor yeah. um, at early career educators, yeah. even at the university, especially in the university. And I will also say too about uh, Jay Z and Beyonce. One of the things I also kind of like about this video as an educator is that I really feel that the video is giving voice to or giving light to art, and I think that in and of itself, I think being able to show the world who can't get in the Louvre. Guess what? My I, my black blood has not been to the Louvre, and I don't know when I will get there. But yes. I do want to yeah. go. And it's it's great for us to be inside and be able to you know we you and I have talked about um, ways in which visual art can be elite and the ways in yeah. which visual art can be yeah. kept away from from the average common man yeah. right yeah. and the Louvre we can all say despite the fact that it's in Paris um, is 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 an institution is an yeah. art institution that's yeah. kept away from the common. Uh, working class person. So to be able to get inside of it and see all this art. And the last piece that I really loved was that um, piece by, um, it's I think it's Marie ben- Benoit, who is actually the portrait of a black woman. It's like, uh, that, the French yeah, name is yeah. like Portrait d'un Negris or yeah, whatever. Yeah. All right, you know, I think they showed that one. That one was really gorgeous too, right? Very interesting pose. The woman is, uh, apparently she's a domestic worker. Uh, yeah. the, and she, she was the painter's brothers domestic worker uh you know and so anyway the painting is very interesting and i think that painting even seeing that which i had never really seen before yeah. um was interesting and enlightening for people who may may, may never make it to a space like the louvre yeah is what i'm absolutely. saying absolutely yeah and you know that that particular piece in the video reminded me of course of um robin cost lewis oh yeah. voyage of the sable venus yeah, right? right so for those who right. aren't familiar it's a collection right. of poem that came out poems that came out last year and the second section is just a series of poems in which the poet has only used word only used full names not even just words only used full names of either either titles or captions appearing on work that depicts black women, black women. yeah black women um and so it's uh, it, totally tied to that, and it's, yeah. it's beautiful. That, that's one of the things I really love about the video is like yeah. you can't watch the video and not see yeah. uh, the sort of racial dynamics and the feminist um, dynamics and the feminist dynamics, dynamics of, yeah. of fine art who collects it, who buys it, who yes. displays it, who yes. says what is art, yes, who controls uh, it, who, yeah, who controls it, and how they got control of it. Yeah. All that is all present that. in a video, yeah. 
And my last little thing, I keep saying my last little thing. I've said my last little thing. All these last little things. My last little thing is that I'm loving Beyonce in her post-baby body. I'm going to be the only one that's saying that because I have not read that anywhere. But honey, all I can say is Beyonce is looking a little extra molasses thick in those outfits. She's looking a little not so snatched. And I'm just kind of here for it. It's just beautiful. Yeah, she looks looks thick. She looks like a mom. She does. She looks beautiful. She does. She does. She does look beautiful. Yeah. Um, she hasn't lost any of her step. She no. She hasn't lost any of her grace, any yeah. of her beauty. She looks like someone who's had a kid and she's thicker. And right. It's maybe the best she's ever looked. I, I probably would agree yeah. with you. And I kind of get tired of people being like, you know, losing the baby weight and all that sort yeah, of drama. That. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's BS. You know what I'm saying? The feminist way is, huh, child, get out there with that baby fat and perform. Yeah. That's what I say. Uh, one last thing before we move on. Um, just a quick update. Oh, uh, a queer eye update. A queer eye two update. Two small things. Oh my god. Number one. So uh, excited. As many of you already know, season two is out. It is. I've Yay. watched the first three episodes and I've already cried three yes. times. <laughs> <laughs> I also have. I've teared up a bit. I'm yeah. just saying, you know. Um, and we both, we talked about this. The first episode, really great, really smart. The first season, you mean? The first episode of season oh, the two. First, oh, the first yeah. episode of season two. Yeah. Bad. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Mama Tammy. Uh, Mama Tammy. Uh, super, super emotional, I think. Yes, I think so. Their first woman. Yeah. Didn't love it. <laughs> Didn't love it. Um, they forced this sort of like religious coming home yeah, with yeah, yeah. Bobby, who we saw in last season, yeah. has a hard time thinking about yeah, the Christian church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but and still, I didn't really love that. But still, um, I mean, you know, a great yeah. a great kickoff, I think, to season two. It is. It's a I really so. great emotional Including kickoff. the first woman, black woman. The first woman, a black woman in the South. A black is woman religious. with a gay son, even yeah. more important. Which right? is why the episode's really interesting, yeah, right? In is. addition to how interesting Tammy is. Right. Um, it's very much about her son as well. Yeah, and, and he's coming she, out. Yeah, and how she failed yeah. her son coming right. out. And how now she... As a person who's religious, is remorseful. She's remorseful. Want to make amends yeah. for that. Want to make sure he has a place both in her home and in the church for yeah. which she's really committed. Right. Obviously, um, we see it. it is a very heavy religious sort of episode for me. For me, yeah. it felt like uh, um, emotional, but also like very heavy. Yeah. Like I yeah, felt. I'm, I felt, not, I'm non-religious, so well, for me, it's like eh, not my thing. But I'm a believer. Still a great episode. But yeah, still, yeah. but still, it doesn't. You know. So yeah. that's a, another still opposite. heavy-handed for a Christian believer. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I just, I just felt like, oh man, you know, the yeah. church and the thing, the community center and the church members and yeah. the, you know, bread pudding or whatever. I just feel like, oh my God. You know what I mean? I'm black, and I was just like, I feel like you know, over, overly, overly Jesus and overly blacked at this yeah. moment. Yeah, you know totally. what I mean? Totally. Um, um, uh, so uh, the only thing other about the season that we can talk about is that uh, an uh, episode also includes a, the first trans man, which right. is really exciting too. Yeah. We haven't watched an episode, so we won't comment on it. Right. But we will endorse season two, of course. We're gonna we keep you posted show. because we both I stalk the show all the time. Yeah. And the last little tidbit you forgot to yeah, mention. Yeah. No, this is the part I want to get. At. Yeah. Oh. Which is that. <laughs> Um, both of us have thirsty tweeted uh, about queer eye. Definitely. Um, and Karamo recently liked one of our thirsty tweets. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> it is so amazing. I mean, Karamo, if you're listening, lip pop bang listeners, if you're listening, you know Karamo. Tell him how much we adore him here at Lip Pop. This will be our consistent brand. Just encouraging listeners to connect us with with queer eye, queer eye generally, but Karamo specifically. specifically. Right, and for me, also tan. I also have a big crush oh, on. Tan is so beautiful. He's so also cute. married too, though, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody's married, but Jonathan. Jonathan's great. I'm married. Jonathan. Jonathan's yeah. so cute. Have you seen him lately? He's this, got, he oh yeah, he's big doing thick the, mustache. The mustache, so that, good. Uh, beard trimmed yeah. down. To I'm like so a, here for Like it. a six, seven I'm millimeter. So, right? And I love that sometimes the hair's down, and sometimes it's in the man bun. Yeah. Love the man bun. Love the the after five yeah. shadow. Yeah. Love it the all. Scruff with all the mustache. It. All it's of it. A, here a, for look that few people could rock. I agree. Totally rock. He totally rocks it. Yeah. All right, and we are back. Dave is back with us. We're here for the bang portion of the podcast. Yes. As always, we have something a little spicy. Spicy? Uh, <laughs> is that the word? Like, I'm a spicy boy. Like spicy? Like uh, Cajun popcorn? Like, is that... Or spicy, like Cajun Creole? popcorn is what you think of when you I think don't, of spicy? I don't know. I mean, what do you think of when you think of spicy? Indian food. Really? Yeah, yeah. Indian food puts me in the... In the in the crapper. You don't I really? can't. I'm I an Indian food person. Yeah, I mean, I love it. I like it. Yeah. It's tasty, but I'm just saying it's not a date food. You know, here I mean? in Baltimore, we have this great place. It sound this sounds really hipster, but it's a this? mom and pop place. We have a really, really great Indian food place that's also 
um, gluten-free, and more than half of the menu is vegetarian. Where's that? Sweet 27. Oh, yes. 27. Okay. Yes. It's a really great place. Yeah. My favorite Indian in town. Yeah. There's Um, lots of good Indian here, though, but... Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it's just not a date. People, it's not a date. It's not a date cuisine. If you relate to going on a date with me at an Indian restaurant, I'm always here. There you go. (laughs) We'll have an email in the show notes. Um... (laughs) Okay, bang this yes. month. Okay, so it is Pride Month, as Yay! you mentioned, as you mentioned more than once, and it's Pride Month is recording this. It'll yes. be over by the time you hear it, but Pride it's events uh, now they extend into July, even August. So I'm just gonna call it um, summertime belongs to queers. It's Th- ours. There we it is. Um, stick a there flag it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, February is black as Black History Month. Yeah. I'll just you know, yeah. black stick to 28 days. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, we'll make a Black History Year and Black History uh, Year, and then um, that year, the summer, will be Black Queer History. Black, oh, Black Queer History. Yeah. Wait, okay. Right. Um, okay. Anyway. So anyway, um, I'm just really trying hard to contextualize the question, which is <laughs> here it is. Um, who? Question for each of us. Yes. Who is the no longer living writer with whom you'd most like to visit a gay bar? With. Yeah. With. Alongside. With whom. With whom you would yeah. like to write. Yeah. Okay. I didn't end with visit. the preposition. Right. With, with, with whom. whom you'd yeah. like to visit a gay bar. With who should start? I think you, you should start. You should start. I always, I feel like I always start. I hadn't thought of mine. I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> I think you can too can figure this out. Okay, 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 okay. Mine is probably Leslie Feinberg. So oh. I love Leslie Feinberg, but also I've been reading a lot more about Leslie Feinberg lately. Mm. Everyone knows Stone Butch Blues. Yeah. And for me, it's such a great, it's such a great description of gender because it's so ahead of its time considering non-binary gender. Um, and one of my favorite lines from So Much Blues is, um, toward the end of the book, the Leslie of the book is talking with someone they're dating and they say, do you know what gender I am? And the person responds, no. And that's why I know so much about you. Mm. Um, mm. and I've, I've always loved that. It's one of my favorite lines. That's so line. way ahead of time. But then on top of that, I'm actually reading a book right now. So Leslie Feinberg, before they died, wrote a whole bunch about Cuba. Um, oh. was a real defender of Cuba and what Cuba's become. Um, mm. So Cuba has a bad history of, of LGBTQ oppression, yeah. but not particularly much does. worse than the United States. Right. Yeah. Um, so in recent years, um, they, they, were, they sort of led um, their model aids. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, um, their socialized medicine allows for uh, transgender people to undergo uh, gender affirming surgery at no cost. Right. Um, so so Feinberg was writing about sort of this transition, this this in defense of what Cuba has become versus looking at their history. Um, and so I've just been obsessed, been obsessed with their work. And so she's brilliant. They're brilliant. Whatever. It's sort of there's there's discussion on what pronouns to use for Leslie Feinberg. Um, they're brilliant, and I would love to hang out with them in general. But then, particularly in a queer space, I think it would be really fantastic. Oh, yeah. there it is. That's a very scholarly. I guess it's, sort of. Re- it's it's a, not bad though. It's yeah. not a bad response. I mean, no, I just was like, wow, like yeah. you were just like really extolling Leslie's work. So, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess I'll go now, and then we'll let our guests go very at the yeah, very very right. end. So I, as I've already. Um, Anthony already knows that I would choose Allen Ginsberg. Yeah. Allen Ginsberg is another one of my deceased baby daddies, uh, poetry baby daddies. <laughs> I love I love not only Ginsberg's work, but I love the spirit of what he was trying to do in the literary landscape. Yeah. Um I his communism, his Jewishness, his queerness, his everything about Allen Ginsberg to me like speaks to me and and uh, especially um, during the time period where I feel like he was really trying to bring uh, mostly I'm also interested in the the egalitarian movement of poetry back to the people also right which he was very interested in um, as a as a beat poet for those of you who don't know Allen Ginsberg is a part of the beat um, poet poetry movement and I I would say was a, one of the preeminent writers besides Jack Kerouac and Bob Kaufman and a number of other uh, writers but anyway also what I want to say about Allen Ginsberg is that I've heard many stories about Allen Ginsberg and I'm sure if 
we went to a gay bar together that I would almost have to be his fag hag because there would there would have to be that moment because otherwise he would not validate me at all. I've yeah. heard often he um, gives women the boot or yeah. has given has give, given women the boot in the past in, yeah. in spaces like this. So um, he's often interested in young attractive boys which i'm here for we can we can we can you know we can scope together we can uh have a cocktail we can talk about literature we can talk about cute boys i can help hook him up i can be a wing woman i can do all that i, think I like that- your enthusiasm he does have a reputation for basically just ignoring women I know. um uh, and there's many anecdotes about people who have met him who just say yeah. he just he just didn't even acknowledge yeah uh women fans or women friends yeah um so I like your enthusiasm. You're like, listen, I can do this. Like, right, exactly. Exa- I can. He he will. Allen Ginsberg will love me. Of course, it's me. I'm Cece. I, of course, he's gonna love me. Uh, and then also, Dave. Dave, Hi. what do you got? So, I think it'd be Octavia Butler. Yeah, Woo, good answer. Yay. So, Great answer. um, I you know taken too soon and Words. yes. Um, I, someone was just asking recently about, um, like they were asking for sci-fi recommendations and I was like, yes, this is my favorite thing to do. Like, yes. do you have all day? And, um, um, they had mentioned that, um, you know, I can't think of the name of it now. The, the first one of the, um, the, the trilogy about the, the aliens with three genders, like the, uh, the Zoom Genesis maybe is the trilogy. Yes. And, um, and he was saying that those were like some of his favorite books, and I was just like, "Oh yeah, well, like there's also like there's Wild Seed is one of my favorite mm-hmm. ones of hers, and then um, like even I'm really curious what she would have gone on to write after Fledgling, which was the very kind of disturbing, provocative spin on the vampire genre, um, and she didn't mention a lot about queer people, even when. The themes were very queer, yes. like in that Xenogenesis trilogy. And I think a gay bar would be a good place to ask her questions about that. <laughs> oh, there it is. Yeah. yeah. You're not Tavia having a cocktail talking about... Yeah, like, tell me more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, in the way that, in the way that certain trends of feminism really are the, the proto-foundations of, of queer theory and even queer thinking... Um, yeah, her work, even if it's not explicitly mentioning queer people, her, like, envisioning Themes, of what gender yeah. can be um, is very queer uh, in really interesting ways. Yeah, I don't know. There's different, uh, like, some of her books feature, like, shape-shifting. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that's not the, the queerest superpower you could possibly have. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I don't know what my gender would be if I had shape-shifting. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, not what your gender would be. What gender would be, period, if one had changed <laughs> Well, I mean, that's right? if everybody like, had it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If bodily considerations were completely put aside. Yeah, and yeah, so I think those are the kind of nerdy, like, four cocktail and conversations that I'd want to have with Octavia Butler. Yes. That's, that's good. That's a good answer. I love getting drunk and talking about, like, speculative feminists, speculative queers about possibility. That's... Yeah, like, if you could rip everything apart and put it back together. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. All right, that's it. That's our episode. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah, we enjoyed it, everybody. Uh, as always, tune in next month. Follow us on social media. Yeah, we're always at Twitter at Lit Pop Bang on Twitter. And as always, from Charm City, this has been Lit Pop Bang. Bang.